I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. FM 104's Room 104 podcast with Cormac Moore and Sir Long. Do you believe in aliens? Do you believe that people have been taken from their rooms, abducted, and had procedures done on them in spaceships miles and miles away? The next gentleman on the line claims to be an alien hunter. He's a former CIA agent, police officer, private investigator. Daryl Sims, delighted to have you on the show this evening. How are you? I am delighted to be here. I'm delighted to get you on. This is one of the most fascinating, I, I mean, stories you have is unreal. And, you know, we've got the anniversary of the, I suppose, Apollo moon landing on us. We would kind of witnessed a lunar eclipse last night. But you, your, your story, your background, when you, when you were 17, can you explain what happened back then? Well, um, my, uh, my involvement in the UFO phenomena was not planned. Uh, I was a victim, so to speak. At age four, uh, in 1952, uh, I saw an entity in my room. I had no idea what it was. I wasn't afraid. I wasn't frightened. I wasn't anything. I just couldn't figure out what he was doing in my room and why he didn't have any clothes on. It was wintertime. It didn't make any sense to me. And when he turned around, I like all little kids, when you don't have clothes on, first thing I noticed, he didn't have certain things. Uh, he didn't have uh, genitalia. Yeah. He didn't have a belly button. I couldn't figure that out for the life of me. Now, what exactly did he look like? Like, I can imagine someone, like an alien kind of form, looking a bit like E.T.? Kind of like that, but his eyes were perfectly round. They were not, uh, they were circular about an inch and a half across, black eyes, and they did not. They were not the Hollywood version you see on TV. Okay, so oh, okay. a bit scarier, probably. It was for me, and, and later, but in the beginning, I didn't have a clue why he was there. I couldn't figure out why are you, where are your clothes. It's wintertime. It's freezing. I had the covers on me, and none of that made any sense to me. So I was a captive audience. This was nothing. Yeah, I certainly wanted, and it just it just happened. So when he's you're four years of age, this entity has appeared in your room. So did anything happen, or did he just wind up disappearing again? Well, after uh, many years of looking at the phenomena, I've realized that uh, there was a lot lot went on that I didn't know. I realized when he was walking towards the wall, I kept thinking to myself, he's going to bump into the wall. Mm. I didn't know he came through it, and he had already brought me back. I I was literally switched on at the end of the event. I I didn't know what was going on at that point. 
I didn't know that he had already taken me and was bringing me back. Oh, that's freaky. So he had taken you already, but you don't remember that. And then he, he brought you back. I didn't remember that. And uh, I had approximately 10 events between the age of four and 17. And uh, my events ended violently in the last event. And uh, I, I was very happy about all of it ending and nothing else happening except until one day uh, they came and got my son when he was six years old. And that uh, forever changed uh, me from a victim to the alien hunter. Yeah, because I say that... You so I hunt them that hunted me and hunted my son. So, do you mind if I just go back just a couple of moments before maybe we got to the point where they took your son? Do you remember those other six experiences that you say you had, those abductions, I imagine? Do you remember anything from those, or was it the same as when you were four, that you just remember waking up back in your room? No, I actually remembered uh, the events, uh, whole portions of them. Uh, one example is when I was in school, when I was in uh, junior high school, and uh, I was uh, in the, the seventh grade, and I had this tremendous need to go out into the desert. Well, we lived in Alamogordo, New Mexico, next to Holloman Air Force Base and White Sands Missile Proving Ground in New Mexico. And I had this tremendous push to, to go out to leave school and to go out into the desert and go like I would when I went hunting during uh, the weekends. And I didn't, because I was very obedient to my parents, I would never violate the rules, that sort of thing. Yeah. So I, di- I just, I just, I thought, where is this coming from? I even looked out the window in the second story of the building of the school, looking out there wondering, who is telling me stuff like that? That was on a Friday. Saturday morning, I grabbed my little twenty-two rifle and went out into the desert, just like I was supposed to. Mm. But uh, as I went out there, I, I was hunting and everything. The next thing I noticed, I'm standing there and it's hot. And I can't figure out why am I standing in the hot sun? It's like, again, I was switched on. And as I'm standing there with my 22 rifle, I open my eyes at the, apparently the wrong time. And I see this uh, alien creature, the same one that picked me up when I was little, walking away from me. He's about 40 or 50 feet away from me. And at that point, he notices I'm awake and it freaks him out. It's the first time I had ever seen emotion on the face of this entity, ever. And he thought I was going to shoot him with that twenty-two rifle, which I wouldn't, and I, I certainly had no interest in that. But uh, I started uh, running after him when he ran, and then he later was disappeared. They beam him out. I don't know what they do. But uh, he disappeared, but I thought, you know, I examined myself thinking, well, maybe I just made this up. Mm. The only problem is there's two sets of footprints out there in the sand, mine and his. And what did his look like? Same thing as the other one. It was the exact same entity. I don't know how to explain this to you or your audience, but the fact is these entities, uh, if you're taken by them, you'll know which one is the one that's going to pick you up and bring you back. You know, if there were a million of them standing there and they all looked the same, you would know which one was going to be the one that got you. Do you remember anything about where they took you or what happened when they took you away? No, well, in one case, they, uh, they, uh, I was um, uh, taken inside a, a circular uh, room, the best way to describe it, and there was a very bright light above me. And uh, that's why many of these people that have claimed these abduction experiences, if they're real, have a phobia of lights, especially a dentist light. Uh, when they lay back and that dentist put that light over you, uh, they freak out, and, and I'm one of them, because uh, we've seen that's a similar like light, not that one, but a light likened to that, uh, 
in these events. And in that event, they were they had shut me off. And the best way to describe that is they you simply are not allowed to hear what they're discussing. But I just simply focused myself and got back on so I could hear what they were saying. I wanted to know. And when I found out what they were going to do, do I started crying. I was only 12 years old, and uh, I asked them. I said, "Why do you want to hurt a little boy like me? I've never done anything to anybody. I couldn't understand." what the mentality was about so uh it was it just horrific to me and uh later had these the, the things i'm telling you were verified by the uh veterans administration hospital because they described the uh, uh the surgical like work that was done in my nasal passage and there's no history of me ever having a surgery anywhere on me in my face head at all ever and yet the the ent the specialist a doctor an ear nose and throat specialist is the one who found it and said when did you have the surgery well i lied to him and said i i didn't and but i knew it was when i was 12 years old when i was on that craft do you find it hard to tell your story without people questioning if it's real i'm at the point of the of a former police officer in uh Spent two years in Central Intelligence Agency, covert operation, been a private investigator for 40 years. I really don't care about whether people believe or not believe in my story. It doesn't make a bit of difference to me. To me, the bottom line in any story as a former police officer and an investigator is what can I prove? Mm. And so what I've done is gone out and uh, for many years now, I've, I've gotten very specific in my investigations. and I look for evidence in these cases. We have two pieces of UFOs that have been verified extraterrestrial in origin from uh, universities. I've done 25, conducted 25 surgical interventions around the world, the last one being in India, on people who allege human-alien contact, and they actually have some type of device or object in them that doesn't belong there. Again, we've had these verified by Los Alamos, New Mexico Tech, Stanford University, uh, York University in Toronto, Canada, and other places. Can I ask you, what do you know what they were doing to you when they obviously did a procedure on your nose? Were they trying to get into your brain or what were they doing? Well, there was a, a I saw an entity come over with a needle-like device. It was about uh, eight or nine inches long, and it had a silver sphere on the end of it, a little tiny sphere. And he stuck it in my nasal passage and broke the bones in my nasal passage. I was screaming at the time. I remember it very well. I was wide awake. It had nothing to do with the dream. And as it broke the bones in my nasal passage, it went back. I could feel it going behind my eye. And when he pulled the needle back out with blood on it, there was no sphere. And uh, a guy told me a, a few years ago, he said, I had the same experience. And I thought, well, you just heard my story and you're making it up. But he sent me his x-ray, and it was actually done in 1960, and it has an object that his doctors cannot explain, a little tiny silver sphere right behind his eye, right next to his brain. Wow. And have you ever had an x-ray done to see if, if yours is still in your head? Oh, I've had, of course I have. And uh, it, it, they later came and removed it. But in his case, they didn't. So the only verification I have for my own case is the possibility that someone else has had a like experience during the exact same time frame of mine in 1960 when I was 12 years old. You must live in fear. Do you ever worry that it's going to happen again? They're going to come back and try and take you in adulthood? No, not really. Uh, I'm not worried about them coming back because right now I'm not a victim. If you're a victim and you're afraid of them or you're in awe because you're buying into their screen memory, which is often 
you're going to be taken to the school of higher consciousness or whatever goofy idea they're going to give to you. That's uh, that that that's irrelevant to me. Now I'm I'm not a victim. I, I don't uh, and I'm not I'm not agreed to the uh, to the process of what they do. And I would be a trained observer. So at this point, I would it would be a, a serious mistake, I think, on their part. You mentioned this happened for a period of years and then ended violently when you were 17. What do you mean specifically? Like how did you end it? Well, the uh, the events ended violently uh, for me at age 17. I've never discussed uh, that event to anyone, but I simply uh, relay that uh, because of my, uh, some people say you're uncooperative, and uh, that probably is the cattle calling the pot back, so to speak. But uh, the fact is that I was not cooperative, and that may have been ultimately the reason for my termination. But they did come back and get my son. Most people taken in these events are Native American, Irish, or, or Scottish. Oh, and nice. we know that for a fact, 45% of them are take, that are taken are, are, are those three, or uh-huh. one of those three uh, issues. How do you know, or what happened with your son? Like, did, how did you know he was, he was taken? Did he report back to you, or did you, you know, witness the abduction taking place? The reason I knew that my son had been taken is I sat up in the middle of the bed at uh, 2.30 in the morning when he was six years old, and I, it's the same feeling you have when they're there. Right. It's like it's like someone's in your house and they shouldn't be, and you know, you're absolutely sure of it. You don't know how you know, but you know. I ran in in their home, which was uh, in a rural rural area and quite a large home, and I ran past his room because I knew he wasn't in there. And I stopped in the kitchen area and the dining room, and there he was standing in the deep trance that just brought him back. And I watched him for quite a while, and I asked him what he was doing. And he said, looking at the strange little light out there. And that's the screen memory that they left with him to make him think that he had not been taken anywhere. And I finally told him to go back to bed, and he walked back to bed and went to sleep. My wife walked in and looked at me and said, what's going on? And at that point, I had to tell her the truth, which I had never told her before. So she that did- my event started when I was a child, and now it looks like they're coming for him. So she had no idea? She had no idea. I never told her. Because that's hard to take in. It was for fact. And uh, now one might say, your son had a bad dream and that's all there was to it. Really? Well, the next night he had a, unbeknownst to me, he had a bow and arrow set up uh, facing his door with a broadhead arrow and it would have shot and impaled anyone that walked through that door. He was expecting them to come back. Oh God, he was terrified, obviously. It could just as easily shot one of us. If he's imagining it, he's he's not. And after, I've, I've got 2,000 cases worldwide right now and I'm telling you, this these are not uncommon stories. Has, your your son has obviously grown up now, but has, did he ever experience any other things happening to him over the years? He has for fact and uh, it has uh, done severe damage to his life in my opinion oh god so why do you think they want to or you know, what purpose are they achieving by testing or abducting or doing things on humans <laughs> that's the sixty-four thousand dollar question yeah in my opinion uh i suspect that uh it, it would take a long time to go through all this i've literally written two books on it because <laughs> uh people keep asking the questions like you're asking and uh, the easiest way for me to answer them was simply write books about it, which I'd put up on my site, yeah. org. But the point is that I think, and we have to guess because we don't know, uh, they won't tell you. They will often lie, in my opinion. They'll tell you they're from this place or that place, but 
The fact is that there are seven different models of these guys, and uh, the DNA, in my opinion, comes from planet Earth, and, uh, and that's that's uh, that's a, a reasonable assumption, and, and there seems to be some evidence to support it. But the bottom line is they're here for their own reasons. They're not going to tell you why they're yeah. here, and that's that's just not going to happen. And if they do tell you, it's it's like a metaphor I like to give people as, as a police officer whenever I if I walk into a room and there's eight people standing there and there's a knife and a body laying on the floor and I ask each one of you how did that happen and you give me eight different answers guess how many people get to go downtown everybody because it didn't happen eight different ways yeah mm. and you say well okay but the metaphor is this when I go to Ireland, I hear a different story about the wee little folk, you know, and how they might take you. They might not bring you back if you, if you, if they don't like you or whatever. And you go to Istanbul, Turkey, which I'll be in in the next in two months. I'll be there, and they say we don't have anything like that. And I said, well, that's interesting. Let's talk about the jinn of Islam. Oh, we don't talk about them. They may not bring you back if they don't like you. <laughs> no, it's the same story everywhere. So I've been told eight different stories in eight different countries. Why do I think somebody's lying to me? Right. Yeah. It's not that the people are lying. It's the ones who told the story to them are lying. They're hiding. They're covering it up. And when I was in the CIA, we developed what is, and all intelligence communities do. MI6, Mossad, KGB, doesn't make any difference. You have to have a cover story to cover what it is you're doing. Otherwise, you're not running a good intelligence operation. The alien is no different. They function just like we do. So you, obviously, you have a background in intelligence with the CIA, even a police officer, a private investigator. You know, for, for want of a better word, you're a completely credible, believable, quote-unquote, normal person, for want of a better word. For someone who's listening to this right now and might think that, you know, because obviously you've faced a ton of criticism or backlash or people who may not believe the story that, that you uh, that you say. What would you say to the skeptics who are listening right now who are like, ah, come on. It's, life is real simple for me. It's, I usually answer people like that by saying, I don't believe in the Great Wall of China. And they say, well, that's stupid because I've got pictures of it. I've got pictures of UFOs. There you go. Well, I've been, to, I've been to the Great Wall of China. I haven't, so therefore it must not exist. Mm. So simply because one's ignorance or even arrogance in some cases uh, isn't there. If, that, if somebody saw something you didn't see, that means it doesn't exist. If I saw a car accident and someone else didn't and they don't believe it, that makes it not true. That's just, that doesn't make any sense whatsoever to me. Yeah. Well, listen, uh, Daryl, uh, we could literally, I think, talk, talk for hours for hours about the work you do, the experiences you've had. Um, but thanks a million for popping on this evening. And if someone wants to find out more about you know your, your books and the work you've done, what's the best website to grab you on? The best site to grab me on, if people want to ask questions or anything, is just go to alienhunter.org. I don't care if you buy books or not. But if you want to contact me about your event, simply click on to Alien Hunter on alienhunter.org and it'll email me. I email everyone back. I don't diss anyone. I don't care whether you believe or don't believe. That's irrelevant to me. Evidence is what it's all about. Uh, Alien Hunter, Daryl Sims. Thanks a million for popping on FM 104 this evening. It's been a pleasure. FM 104's Room 104 podcast with Cormac Moore and Sir Shalon. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. 
I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply.